Identity. The condition of being oneself or itself and not another. The sense of self, providing sameness and continuity and personality over time. Sounds like an equation. <laughs> Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Another Way. <sighs> it's been a day. It's been a day. It's been a long day. It's a new year. It's a new year. This is the first set of podcasts I'm recording in 2018. So, Happy New Year to you. I hope you're having a delightful one. I hope so. I'm, I'm, you know, mine's okay. <laughs> okay, so identity. It's sort of a strange thing about human beings that we can, you know, often be um, unaware of or unsure of our own identity. You know, I, I think it, I think it kind of comes from our ability to be able to process both the past and the future. You know, we can we can hold those two ideas in our minds at the same time. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with um, animals most of the time. You know, like the cat that is at my feet making noise. I don't think Jack thinks about yesterday very much. And I don't think he's thinking about tomorrow very much beyond food. He's just thinking about the cords that he can chew on. Bought a brand new cable for my phone to charge, and he didn't last a week. Anyway, <laughs> um, but being able to sort of hold this, you know, the past and the future in mind, we don't tend to think about the present, and I think that identity is, huh? Now I'm like completely rethinking this as I'm as I'm doing this episode, um. But your identity, the past makes your identity for the now, but in the now you're planning for the future to change the identity. Ooh, this is complicated. See what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's no surprise that it's like people are unaware of things about themselves, which to some people might sound kind of odd, like, how can you not be aware of your own identity or blah 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 but i think it's i think it's more common than we think and you know we can often feel um a certain way about ourselves and about our identities but not necessarily be able to put it into words and i think i think we get better at it as we go along as we as we get to know ourselves more um not only do we get more in touch with our own identities as it evolves and changes and, you know, yada, yada. But we also become better at articulating parts of our identity. I think it's one of the reasons that, um, you know, young, like teenage kids identify with celebrities so much because they can point at certain things about a famous person and go, that, that's me, that's what I like, that's what I want, that's what I want to be. It it helps them form their identity and, and gives them an example to use when they don't have the language to express it. I think that's one way that it works. And I'm, I suppose it doesn't work that way just with, with, um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the people of the teen variety, 
Lord, what is going on with my English tonight? Um, I think I think we're all like that. I think that's that's why we like fantasy and television and things because we can we can identify things in characters that we see that help us to express what we like about not only ourselves but about other people. Oh, the next bullet on my list for today is identity crisis and just oh lord it just I've had so 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 many too many I'm too young to have had as many identity crises as I have had in my life. They're, they're never they're never really a fun time. Never really a fun time. But they certainly are um, illuminating, I suppose would be a word for it. I think that oftentimes an identity crisis... And, you know, sometimes I think crisis is too big a word for it. Sometimes I think we, it's just a blip. It's just a moment where we kind of go through some sort of um, growing pain, whether it's, you know, there there are the physical growing pains we all have as we grow up, but there's sort of mental and emotional and creative growing pains that we have as in all in all matters of life. We have them in our personal lives. We have them in our careers. We have them in, you know, whatever else there is. <laughs> And, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's a big one or a small one, it's just, you know, we can often find ourselves wondering sort of how we became the person that we are. Um, and like I said, crisis is sometimes it's, it, it implies this big event and it's like, and then I woke up one day and I just looked at myself in the mirror and I realized I don't know anything about myself. And it can be that, but I think more often than not, it's a bunch of little things that add up to that moment. It's not like, and then I lost, and then I, it's not always, and then I lost my job and I didn't know what to do with myself. Sometimes it it's literally just you're washing dishes and it all kind of comes together and you realize, oh my God, what, huh? How, how is this my life? And those are incredibly scary. I had a moment like that, and it, it, I've I've talked about the sort of declaration of independence I wrote um, that one October night a couple of years ago, and that sort of led to this whole thing, this podcast, this everything that I'm doing now. But it's funny because I I wrote that, and then not two weeks after that, Sarah Bareilles released a song from her musical waitress and it's called she used to be mine and it's one of my favorite songs she's ever written and the first lines of it are um it's not simple to say but most days i don't recognize me and it's not easy to know that i'm not anything that i used to be and those (laughs) i remember listening to it to the first time and i was like oh my god is she is she (laughs) she's describing my life and it's terrifying when you have one of those moments. And so often I think that those moments are, are really about the identity. And, I, and not necessarily even 
the surroundings that we find ourselves in, but more about how we feel about it. There's a, there's a quote from um, a Julia Cameron quote that I like that says, at first flush, going sane feels just like going crazy. And that's what makes this even more difficult because in those moments where we sort of start questioning our identity, you don't know if you're going crazy or if it's actually a positive step. And um, we can, you know, it's easy to feel super untethered is the word that I went with when I was thinking about this. Unanchored, untethered, because, you know, in either case, whether you're, you're going sane or you're going crazy, you're losing your grip on something, whatever that is. You know, in, in, this, in the case of going crazy, you're losing your grip on your sanity. And in the case of going sane, you're losing your grip on an old identity. And that can be scary because it's change and we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> it's, it's that classic thing of better the devil you know than the one that you don't. Because at least you know how to deal with the the life that you're living, whether whether it's making you sort of, un, whether you're happy in it or not, you at least know what it is to a certain extent. And when you realize that you don't, that's like, well, everything I know is a lie. And um, the next thing that, that Julia Cameron says in this whole bit of whatever it was I was reading is that the self-doubt sort of intensifies as we actually gain strength in this process and start building our identity up again. The self-doubt just kind of multiplies the more we go through that process. And it really makes sense because we're sort of working on a new identity. And often in the, in the case of creative endeavors, that means that we're creating more. And so it's it's more of a practice. And when you practice anything more, you have more opportunity to um, for the calls to come from inside the house. It's it's more chance for you to question your own mind and your own actions. Especially, again, because when you have that known element, there's a certain amount of routine. And part of one of the beauties of routine is that you don't have to question it that often. And when you no longer have that old routine, it, it's all questions. You just don't know how it works. And trying to figure that out, trying to build that new identity, can just make it make you crazy. That's why I always say, whenever I'm trying to, um, whenever I whenever I teach a new piece of music to a student, I will often Google um, teaching outline for whatever piece it is. Or something along those lines, because it's always easier to start from some from an idea that somebody else had, even if it's something that you hate. Like I, there's there's um, I can't think of an example right now. Um, as far as the music goes, but you know, I I would watch teachers all the time teach certain concepts and be like, I don't like the way they're doing it. I'm not. I know I'm not going to do that. So I'll do whatever I think is the opposite. Even in situations like that, it can be very helpful. And when you're building your framework from scratch and you don't necessarily have that, it's it's incredibly isolating and feels 
can feel. It can feel exhilarating at times and feel terrifying at others. Like I, I find that every time I've had sort of an identity crisis and I've started something over and I've tried to re- rework, it's it's peaks and valleys, real highs and real lows, because it's like it's, it's exciting, but it's like awful at the same time <laughs> within minutes often. And it's just it's 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 hard enough to be a person without trying to form a new person. I don't know if that made sense, but let's just pretend it did. This podcast is brought to you by Great Grand Projects, a creative collective on the web at greatgrandprojects.com and by Horizon Creative Studio, the home of Another Way on the web at horizoncreativestudio.com. Check out the site, check out the stuff, check out all of the things. It's a fun time. So, I don't know. I was just, I was thinking about this. And, um, you know, of course, your identity is shaped over a long period of time and over your entire life. But there is that sort of debate and is it a debate i don't know there's this, the there's the idea that we that there's a core part of the identity that never changes and it's sort of just the dressing around it that does and i don't i'm just not realizing i don't know how i feel about that i think it's true i don't know i was you know i read a book a few years ago this is totally out of left field. I'm I'm totally off book, people. It's scary. And I don't know why I'm making wild hand gestures while I'm on a podcast, but that's just how I am, so that's what I'm doing. Anyway, <laughs> I read this book about the plasticity of the brain. And I don't remember too much about the book itself, except that it was a book that was about the plasticity of the brain. But there's all, there was all of this research for years and years and years. Scientists thought that the brain was was very was kind of unchangeable, and if damage happened, then there was no way for it to repair itself. Or I'm totally butchering this, I'm sure. But the idea is that in recent years there have been advancements in neuroscience, and they've discovered that the brain is actually a lot more um, plastic than they first thought. It's a lot more malleable and a lot more... It's it's capable of more change than the initial research suggested. And I think that identity is sort of like that. I think that there is a certain core that doesn't often change. I think that that core can change with extreme circumstances in either direction, positive or negative. You know, something, some traumatic event can really alter somebody's identity and and that core. I guess you could call the core the personality. Although I don't know if that works. But, you know. (laughs) We'll cut this. No, we won't. Um, So there's there's that core that doesn't often change. But there's bits around it that are heavily influenced by everything else, internally and externally. You know, this, and 
having influences come from inside the thought, the calls that come from inside the house and external means that we can get attacked on both fronts. And you can, you know, I talk about the two different kinds of truth all the time. And you see this sometimes when you're told something often enough, some subjective truth that, that you initially don't think is true, but you hear it enough times that you start to go, well, maybe that is true. And then it becomes part of your internal monologue and your internal attack process. And both of those things can really influence your identity. It, it sort of, it sort of parallels the ideas from, from the fifth episode of the podcast, the matter episode where we all matter until we decide that we don't. And when we, and when we decide that we don't, which I th- I think, you know, I'm just going to throw a random percentage out there. I think 95% of people decide that they don't matter at some point. And it's not a conscious decision. And listen to that episode for more detail. But the idea is that when we decide we don't matter, we either turn that externally and that becomes, I don't, I don't feel like I don't matter, so I'm going to make that person matter less than me so that I am more important. And that's how, like, that's prejudice and racism right there and then you get the internal turn which is i don't matter i'm awful nothing i'm such a bad person i don't deserve xyz that sort of thing and it's not like cut and dry black and white but i I do think that different people are are more prone to one or the other i am very much prone to an internal turn and so that means that i'm prone to internal attacks um influencing my identity more I think you know I've I've for much of my life I have not been um well I don't know now that I'm thinking about it I haven't not to say that I haven't cared what people have thought of me for a lot of my life but I feel like the more lasting damage have been things that I have said about myself and questions that I've had about myself I frequently say that there's no criticism that anybody can level at me that I haven't leveled at myself times 10. And I feel like that's true for a lot of people. But um, that, that that's a huge shaping of identity. It definitely influences behavior. And I just know that from experience. You know, I there are things that I don't say and things that I don't do because of internal criticisms I've had about myself. And oftentimes, like I said, this it can be influenced from the external. So maybe it's some little comment that somebody said that I blew out of proportion. And it's that sort of thing. All of that influences our identity. And when we, when we focus on sort of building a new identity, it's better to sort of work on the internal and go outward. You know, there's this Eckhart Tolle idea that I, that I love that is... Um, Internal reality has to be dealt with before we can deal with external reality. You know, affix your own oxygen mask before you try to help others. And that's this sort of idea of of work on the self, sort of build the identity from the inside out. Because if we're building it from the outside in, that can be very empty. And I think, I really think that's one of the big things with our culture because we see so much now through things like social media of younger and younger people doing that thing I talked about earlier where they're pointing at, at, you know, various celebrities and going, 
that person, I see what that person does. And that's, that's the thing that I can't articulate that I want about my identity. And they absorb that. The problem is that they're, that that's the only thing that they're absorbing. When you build it from the outside in, you're not getting any sort of internal, well, how do I really feel about that? It's just, it's all coming from the outside and you're not, it's like building a house without building the foundation. It's like putting up just a few two-by-fours for the first floor and built, completely building the second floor. I should have stopped. <laughs> I should have stopped with building the house on, on no foundation. <laughs> um, but like you can, it can be very empty to do it that way, and, and it leads to a lot of broken people. And... Uh, you know, it's not always, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. It's not, sometimes the motivation behind doing that is good. Sometimes it's a, it's a, I think about, I'm writing a character right now. <laughs> it's just where the, the places, the examples go. It's actually a character based on, on one of my grandmother's who I was thinking about recently. And um, I just had the thought, it's like, what did she do all day? Because she was married to my grandfather. They got divorced before my parents got married. So they they were married, I don't know when they got, I don't even know when they got married. 50-something? They were married about 30 years or so. And then they got divorced and she, like, I don't know what she, what, what she did. She had horses for a while. She read romance novels. She, toward the end of her life, she was buying the same novel over and over again or trying to at Walmart. And for some reason, I just found myself sort of wondering what her sort of internal monologue about her own identity was. And this character I'm writing kind of based on her the entire thought process is that there was the focus on the husband, there was then the focus on the kids, and she didn't really have any identity outside of that. And that's a good motivation. <laughs> I'm realizing that's a far cry from my grandmother because she wasn't exactly the best mother based on everything I've heard from my mother and her siblings. But anyway, the the point is that sometimes we can be so caught up in one certain thing that we sort of lose ourselves in it. And... um this goes this leads me back to another Julia Cameron quote which is as blocked creatives we focus not on our responsibilities to ourselves but on our responsibilities to others and i think that that's a very crucial thing because it happens a lot with um like i said mothers trying to trying to raise families but it happens with people like teachers too i think that we we focus not on ourselves but on our students i was doing that for a while where where I wasn't thinking about about my own um, artistic needs in a lot of ways. I was just thinking about teaching and just about students. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, ooh, excuse me. It's not necessarily a bad thing because you can, I, I, there, there's, there's a point somewhere where, the, where the, it tips the identity into a place where 
it's not a good thing to base your identity just on that one thing. It can be, and I think that that's that's a case by case basis balance thing. Oy. <laughs> but you know that whole idea of focusing not on your responsibility to yourself, but on your responsibility to others can lead to a lot of saying yes. A lot of saying yes, too much saying yes, and that can drain you because you aren't taking care of yourself. You're only seeking to take care of others in a sense. And if you, if taking care of others is your way of taking care of yourself, that's where the line is that I was circling. I guess I'm in a spiral right now because that's where you need to draw the line between the point where, because there are people out there who the way that they take care of themselves is they take care of others. And that's a lovely thing. It really is. As long as it doesn't, you know, everything in moderation, I suppose. And this means that we, you know, all of this is to say that we have to make sure that we're not only doing self-care, which I think is a big thing to do, but that we allow ourselves time to relax and sort of do the things that we want to do or that we feel that we need to do creatively or whatever. And, um, you know, we may have several different identities going on that may sort of conflict, you know, that you hear it a lot of, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sexist, but you do hear it a lot with, with women about, oh, how do you have it all? Or you're the working mom and then you're, you've got, you've got the career and then you've got the family. And you don't often hear that question asked of men. Like, very rarely do men get asked, how do you balance your life? Um, but anyway, you can have sort of the personal life versus the professional life. You can have sort of your um, your identity as um, you know, it's, it's funny because you, you get things like do you I've heard this one a few times. I've gotten it. Would you prefer to be known as a writer or as a gay writer? Like, th- that's a conflict of identity right there. Because you are both of those things. But which one do you consider to be more important? Do you consider one to be more important? Like, those are the questions that sort of bring up that sort of identity crisis. Um, the point is, we have to be able to sort of suss out our identities. And one of the best ways to do that, no matter who you are or what you're doing, is through this sort of morning practice and writing, morning pages and writing practice idea, where you just let whatever is in the mind out onto the page. And doing that regularly can really, it's like I say all the time, it it helps hold the mirror up to you. And that can be so freaking scary. But the thing that I like about it, about actually putting it out on the page, is it's more of an action. It's not just thinking about you and yourself. Because um, just sitting there and thinking about it doesn't, it, it doesn't, you can't, you don't process it the same way. It's, um, it's easier to sort of put things down on the page than it is to just think about it. Because you you can you can cross off and you can move arrows and you can do all of this stuff and you can edit where you can't do that in your mind as easily. And it also allows you to see growth when you go back and read it. 
sometimes to the point of embarrassment. Like I, I read something the other day that I wrote when I was 15 and it's like, oh Lord, why? <laughs> but I was able to see the growth in it. Now it is terrifying. It can be incredibly scary. I did it today. I, I had two moments where I was working on this on this book I'm working on. And I ended up writing two things that were super dark and and truths about like my identity and myself. And it was like, oh, okay. Okay, there that is. That's true. And I don't know how I feel about that. And if I were just thinking, I, I wouldn't have come to those conclusions. I wouldn't have been able to see it on the page in the same way because so much of it was me writing and whatever what came out of the pen was like, oh, that, and then that connects to this. I couldn't do that when I was thinking because these are topics that I, was, that I had thought about before, but I had never written about. So there's something about doing that actual writing down and doing it consistently that allows you to really get to the root of yourself. And can be very helpful, especially in those times when you are feeling untethered because of a loss of identity or a loss of whatever. Calling ourselves artists. And I was just saying today that that I feel a little, um, I feel a little pretentious every time I talk about art on the podcast. It feels a little art. But, um, you know, using the title can often feel arrogant. You know, I, I write my mantra every day of it's okay to be an artist. It's okay to create. And the more I write it, the more I believe it. But it can feel arrogant. You know, there, there can be that monologue of, oh, who are you to call yourself an artist? Who do you think you are? Sort of thing. And um, the first step to becoming the thing is to label the thing. Admit that you have a problem. <laughs> and sometimes just applying the label can help you begin to sort of construct or deconstruct or reconstruct the identity. If you sort of build around the word. I know that can sound like I'm saying build from the outside in, which is what I said not to do, you know, 10 minutes ago. But it's not necessarily the same thing. You can start with the word and sort of, as long as you identify the internal things that you identify with about that word, is that a coherent sentence? You can start with the word and start by highlighting the ways that you identify with it. And that's where you begin and you go from there and you build that's there's your foundation right there. You know, it's, it's a strange, I mean, being a person is just strange because I feel like if we're going to be any sort of good person and therefore any sort of good creative artist, whatever, fill in the blank, we have to protect and preserve our identity, but we also have to be open to shifts in it. We have to we have to protect that core while allowing whatever is around that core that I talked about to be malleable. And uh, it's difficult because you, it, it can be hard to know what to cling to and what to hang on to for dear life and what to sort of let go and allow to evolve. And that's where the writing 
really comes in handy, I think, because you can begin to sort of examine, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, like what? And then you can read it the next day or in the next month and be like, okay, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. And this is, this is how that worked and sort of connect the dots. And, you know, <laughs> like, like that whole thing of sometimes going sane feels just like going crazy. When identity shifts happen, nothing might feel right. Nothing. Everything might feel wrong for a while. And that isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's just, it's just a part of the process. And, um, I don't know, sometimes you just have to start walking. It's like if if you don't, if you fell out, of a pl- fell out of a plane and landed in the middle of the desert, the thing to do is not to just sit there. Yes, it would be helpful if you knew where you were, but start walking. Maybe you'll walk in the wrong direction for a while. But unlike this scenario in the real world, you won't drown. Go drown in the middle of the desert. You won't die of dehydration. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, here's what you mean, but mouth, say the opposite. <laughs> and I know that it's not um, comforting, but really, one thing I say all the time is that the only thing that never changes is that everything changes. And that goes for identities, too. There's... There's that core that maybe doesn't change, but maybe it does. If the core does change, and outside of those traumatic extreme events, I think that it, it sort of just moves little by little like a glacier. But, you know, whatever. Um, the only thing that doesn't change is that everything changes, and we have to kind of accept that about ourselves, which can be terrifying. And sometimes it comes down to picking your battles. You know, you have to sort of weigh the comfort of keeping something against the potential benefit of changing it. You know, do you, you know that you don't like the job that you're in. How much do you not like it? Is it just like, eh, I'm not like, uh, I'm not unhappy and I'm making some good money right now. And I, I have enough time to work on this thing on the side and sort of get it up and running, and then I can leave later. Where's the cost benefit, you know? Or is it, I hate this job, and if I'm here one more day, I'm going to take out myself and everybody around me. <laughs> you know, where's the line? We have to choose your battles. And that can be hard. The point is, the, the biggest thing, the biggest point that I'm going to close with, because I think this is probably the longest episode ever. You don't have to know exactly who you are in every single detail at this moment and be able to explain it. Again, sometimes you know, but you just can't articulate it. And, you know, I was I was well into my 20s when I had the realization that. Oh everybody's making this up. You know, I remember being a kid and thinking that adults just knew what to do. And like I said, I was well into my 20s. And I was like, oh, nobody knows. Nobody has a clue. Nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's just making this up as they go. Oh, okay. Okay. So you don't have to know everything about yourself right in this moment. 
but you can make a start. So that's identity. Yep, 35, 36 minutes-ish. Wow, this is a long one. Hope you stuck with me, although I understand if you don't. It was kind of rambly tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this. I don't know. That's the beauty of podcasts. (laughs) All right, folks. It's okay to be an artist. It's okay to create. It's okay to be exactly as you are right now. It is okay. You're okay. I'm okay. See you next week.